Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 10th, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works. We'll start out with the first paragraph on page 61 for context, which what usually happens, the show doesn't come off. And we'll read and comment on the following paragraph, which ends on the top of page 62. Our actor is self-centered through to are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. Today's readers are Roxanne T., Ruth C., Devorah S., Martha Z., and Charlie G. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, May 9th, 2016, is 8725. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Roxanne T. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm Roxanne T., gratefully recovered in New York. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, exact needs are wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all your affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Roxanne T. I will now ask Ruth C. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning, all. This is Ruth C., a compulsive overeater from Atlanta. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service in our past. Thank you, Ruth C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book with the first paragraph on page 61. Let's see, did I get that right? 
what usually happens. Yeah. The show doesn't come off, which is being read for context only. We'll continue on with reading and commenting on the following paragraph, which ends on the top of page 62. Our actor is self-centered through to are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. I will now ask Devorah S. to begin the reading. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah S. from New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is, he not evident, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make, him, make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lulls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Politicians and reformers who are, all, who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are, whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. Well, okay. So, um, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I'm saying to myself, I, you know, I am like, you know, especially that sentence, I am like the person who says, if everybody would do what I want, all would be perfect. I would have utopia. You know, um, changing the he into the I, making it personal to me. And that's where I've been, you know, all my years. I always wanted, if everybody would just do what I wanted, um, the show would go off. The life, My life would be beautiful. If my husband would follow my directions, we would have a great marriage. If my children would only do what I wanted, then they would succeed. It was all about me. And where did this come from? Um, and I'm, I'm learning in this program that it's this deep um, fear that I have. Um, it's this fear, my character defect of fear that, um, that I'm afraid um, that's coming to the surface that I'm afraid of, of, of um, what people think. Um, I'm afraid of not being perfect. I'm afraid of, um, of, of, of life. And, um, and that's why my selfishness, this is all about me, you know, comes into play. You know, this is my problem. 
that I'm so concerned with, you know, not looking good on the outside that I want to manage everybody. And therefore, that's my selfishness. I want, to, I want things to go the way I want it to go. And this program is just the opposite. This program is teaching me to get out of my ego, to get out of myself, ego reduction, and to learn how to be people, to learn how to be God-centered, and, and how can I be of ultimate service to people around me. Um, and it takes a lot of work. It doesn't just come. You know, I never thought that I was a self-centered, selfish person um, because I was there for my family. I, I uh, did for them in my community. I was available for my community, for my family, for my friends. But, you know, looking back now, what was the reason? Why was I doing that all the time? Was it because I wanted people to look at me and say, wow, look at her? She's really a role model. Like, you know, I wanted people to like me. I wanted people, whatever it was, but I was doing it. There was a reason under it all. And that, you know, I'm seeing today is that selfishness that I have to um, work on on a daily basis. Um, and it starts with, you know, trusting and relying on God. You know, God gives me everything that I need. My self-worth doesn't come from other people, but it comes from my higher power. And I need to establish that and work on that on a daily basis and to know, you know, that God has my back and uh, all will be okay. I just need to trust and rely on him and to follow his lead and to seek his will for me and to see how I can be of ultimate service to him and my fellows all around me um, by by just showing up and trying to do the next right thing. And, you know, grateful for these lines in the book, which remind me of um, who I am, because it's very easy for me to forget. Every day I need to be reminded that, um, you know, I need to get out of myself and, and to live a God-centered life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah S. I just want to remind everyone that we're commenting on that second paragraph Deborah read that begins at the bottom of 61 with our actor is self-centered. Who would like to share? This is Bella. Can I share? Bella. Tina S. Amy E. Amy E. Nessa R. Vasa R. Wait a minute, Larry. Nessa R. And who was after Nessa R? Vasa O. Vasa O. Was there someone before Larry and after Vasa O? Maureen M. Maureen M. Okay, and then Larry. I just want the page number, please. Charmaine. Bottom of 61. Charmaine. Something Carrie P C A R R I E C A R R I E correct. Got it. Okay, well we have a line of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Why don't we go with these nine people? I'm gonna read the names. Bella G, Tina S, Amy E, Nessa R, Vasa O, Maureen M, 
Larry, I forget your last initial, Charmaine, I didn't get yours, and Carrie P. So go ahead, Bella T. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful paragraph. You know, before I came to the program, and even before I started to learn the steps, to practice the steps, you know, I, I, well, before I came to the program, I didn't even think that I am ego-centered. You know, if you would tell me that I am ego-centered, you know, I would laugh and I would say, oh, maybe you, but not me. I am such a kind person. I am such a good person. I am not ego-centered. And, you know, then when I started my meetings, but I really didn't do nothing with the steps, you know, I heard so many times the ego-centered and ego-centered, and I said, oh, no, you are talking nonsense, not me. Well, it's definitely me. Yes, it's definitely me. And as I started to learn the, the steps and to practice the steps, and as I started my step four, oh boy, yes, I found out that, yes, I am ego-centered. And all my life uh, was based on I wanted everybody, but completely Everybody, the whole entire world, should do what I want to do. I wanted everybody should think exactly the way I want. And if somebody had a different idea or somebody acted or behaved different than me, then when I started to build my fears and my resentment, and then when my thinking went wrong and you know, brought me to, if only, if only my husband would do everything and exactly the way I wanted, I would have a wonderful, wonderful marriage. If only my son would act the way I wanted, he would succeed, if only. And I didn't even think that, yes, it was based on my egocentric. And it's, you know, I came to nowhere. I came to upset all the time and jealous and always but always I was in competition and I was always the loser and I didn't understand why I was angry and upset all the time I was uh, judgmental all the time thank you God thank you God I am not there anymore and yes I know I have my character defect that I have the opportunity 24-7 to work on them. And today, yes, I know I am human, and I have those character defects. And today I have, thank you, God, the tools to manage and to just to pose and to say, Bella, again you are ego-centered. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Tina S., you're next. And then Amy E. Thanks, Rebecca, uh, for your service. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, that paragraph describes me to a T. You know, certainly. You know, uh, all I'm all I was ever concerned about was was myself. 
and what you had to do with me and how great I am and, and on and on and on. And, and, and the whole world would be perfect utopia if uh, everyone else would behave the way I wanted them to. If you would do what I want you to do, then all would be wonderful. You know, and, and it was just shared. And I didn't even know this. You know, I didn't even know that I thought this way. I thought that, uh, you know, I was certainly just taking care of myself. You know, no one else was going to take care of me, so I was doing what I needed to do to survive. And uh, and it worked for a period of time. And I believe that uh, I was I was equipped at that time with the, the defects that I had to survive. I really believe that. But you know, no longer did they serve me. And um, and today, you know, thank you God. Today I have a reliance and a trust on a power greater than myself. You know that when I align my will with His. You know, all's pretty good in my life today. All's pretty good. And if I can re- remember that, to align mine with his and to trust and rely on him, it's pretty great today. And so I, I'm, I continue to come to the meetings so I can be reminded that on my own, I'm, on my own I'm screwed, you know, and with the power greater than myself, I have a shot. So um, I thank you all, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Tina S. Amy E. And then Nessa R. Amy Thank you for your service. Good morning. Amy E. in Ohio, uh, abstinent and grateful. Um, when I used to read this paragraph, I used to, it used to really, uh, it was hard for me to wrap my brain around what point Bill was trying to make with some of these characters, the retired businessman and the minister sighing over the sins of the 20th century. I would think to myself, well, there's a lot of sins of the 20th century to sigh over. I mean, I get it. And, and I, I couldn't understand why um, these examples were examples of selfishness and self-seeking. And and, um, and when I look at them now, I see that it's um, uh, the, the spiritual traits uh, or the spiritual, spiritual disharmony evidenced in these characters are things like arrogance and pride um, assuming I know what's wrong with you and what's wrong with the world, um, feeling of superiority, being judgmental, um, and um, more than anything else, imposing my opinions on everybody else. I'd like to think that I'm you know, a strong-willed person and opinionated and knowledgeable, and, um, and it's really just me telling you what I think and <laughs> behaving like a battering ram to get you to see my point of view and the essential rightness of my point of view. And um, th- this program of recovery is not asking me to set aside my opinions or to detach from the world, but uh, to adopt an attitude of um, um I, I don't know what God's plan is, and I don't know how this fits in with God's plan. Um, but all I know is that there is a divine hand ordering things in the universe, and my job is to align myself with this power as much as I can and to the best of my ability, execute my role, be the little thread in the grand fabric of um, God's beautiful universe, and that there is beauty in the universe. Perhaps I don't see it, but uh, that um, there is something beautiful in all things and that all things are working toward a higher good. Um, I, I may not see it. It may not be obvious. Um, 
and when I think think of the troubles of the 20th century, the 21st century, all I have to do is think of my own troubles and know that uh, I never would have wanted to be a compulsive overeater and an alcoholic. I never would have wished that on myself or wished that on anybody else. But I can say today it's been one of the greatest gifts in my life to have this terrible disease because it has led me to God and it has led me to all of you in a relationship with you. So the more that I can say, you know, I don't know, the better off that I am. It's this, uh, what he's asking us to do is to take a position of humility. Time. Um, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. Someone was clearing their throat, so you want to check to make sure you're muted. Nessa R., you're next, and after you will be Vasa O. Go ahead, Nessa R. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So um, self-pity. This is what's speaking to me this morning because self-pity was the name of my game. And by the grace of God, thanks to this program, even though I'm still selfish and I'm still self-centered, this is the one character defect that has by and large been removed. And I am so grateful um, because, you know, this is the name of our disease. Our disease is um, selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-pity. Um, that's, that's, that's why uh, we become restless, irritable, and discontented. That's what I become restless, irritable, and discontented, and then, of course, um, use the food to, to numb down the, uh, the uncomfortable feelings. And, you know, the self-pity served me very well for many years because it involved the responsibility of uh, taking, uh, taking action in life or solving my, 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 my problems, which I, I saw as problems. I saw, I saw myself as a victim of my hardships. And uh, if only... If only things were different, then I would be okay. Then I wouldn't have to eat. Then I would be fed. Then I would be normal. Then I would be happy. You know, all those if only then, if only then. And it was just that a way to absorb myself of taking action. Now I don't see my quote-unquote hardships as hardships or problems. I just see it's challenges, challenges that I have to deal with. And, yes, you know, my circumstances may not be my fault. You know, what's happening around me, what people are doing or not doing that they should or should not be doing is not my fault. But it is my responsibility to run my life, to make my life um, as, as good as it can possibly be. And while I was stuck in self-pity, that wasn't possible at all. That was not possible at all because, you know, it just totally disempowered me. Um, you know, even when it came to, to my own actions and my own thoughts and my own uh, emotions, self-pity was so disabling, you know. It was just, well, you, there's nothing you can do. Just throw your hands up and give up. There's nothing you can do. But now I know that that's not the case. There is something I can do. I can focus on myself. I can focus on my character defects and not everybody else's character defects. I can focus on what is my part in it so that I can clean it up? And then the rest is up to God. But I do have responsibility and I do have options to take. And I find that so empowering, um, which has made the world of difference in my life and in the lives of those people around me. And I thank God 
for these steps that have um, made me come to that realization right. and given me a better life. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Bus, oh, before you go, I'm going to ask Leah to clear the line. There's some some interference, and then you'll have to unmute again. Go ahead, Leah. Okay, I think we're back. Vasa O, oh, you'll need to unmute your phone again. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm grateful. Recover Compulsive Overeater, thank you for your service this morning. And I'm calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I came in for the food. I didn't come to look at my character traits. Uh, again, it's not that I didn't have any, but I didn't understand them. I never thought I was selfish, but... Uh, self-pity was very familiar to me. I lived in self-pity. It was poor me, poor me always. I was the victim. If everyone did what I wanted them to do, uh, I would be happy. My husband, if he did what what I asked him to do, I wanted him to do, he's supposed to read my mind. What's wrong with him? And uh, it would be utopian. But I remember reading uh, page 61. He he may be kind. See, when I read this part, I really loved it. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even mod- modest and self-sacrificing, and I was that person. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistic, selfish, and dishonest, but as with all most humans, with all most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits I didn't like that when I read those parts, you know. I always thought I was very loving and very caring. But then I started looking at my my other stuff, where I was um, people-pleasing and caretaking, where I was dishonest. And uh, I did all those for attention. So my motive was wrong, what I was doing, because I was always looking for the love and attention. So I'm just so grateful to be here. And, you know, I brought myself wherever I went, you know, before I came into recovery, you know. Uh, I brought the same person. I could be going on a cruise or I could be going vacationing to Florida or somewhere else, you know. And like it talks here, the minister who cites over to the sins of the 20th centuries, you know, um, the retired businessman who... He rolls in the Florida sunshine. I love Florida now. We spend our winters over there. And my attitude, everything has changed. And I did just come for the food. So I thank God that I, you know, I stayed for the rest of the steps to hear and to work through the steps. It's amazing how my life has been transformed over the years working through the steps. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Maureen M., you're next, and then it'll be Larry K. Good morning, visionaries. My name's Maureen, grateful recovering. Okay, over leader. Um, um, boy, this is it. This is it for me. <clears throat> Selfish, self-centered, self-pity. Um, absolutely. And in this paragraph, I'm reading the words, um, a paragraph with a lot of words, you know, talking about lolling and complaining and 
sad and sighing and oh my gosh and it's just self will run riot for me it's like i am human i am going to feel feelings but for me it was the excessive feeling of feelings being a producer of confusion rather than harmony i love that um getting so sucked into how i felt about things forgetting that there is a higher power who wants me to just accept this world as it is, not as I would have it. That's what I couldn't stand, was being vulnerable and powerless and realizing that I don't know anything. I don't like that feeling. That's why I picked up the food. That's why I self-medicated. I don't want to feel like I don't know. Because then I feel fearful, and then I worry, and then I'm off to the races with that stuff. So for me, it's really about emotional balance, but it's about asking God to remove these things from me. Humility. I cannot do this by myself. I know who I am by myself. I'm wicked, (laughs) but I'm a nice person too even under the guise of being generous and caring. Sometimes I have motives. Sometimes I can be manipulated. That's what manipulated and manipulative. I have to talk to a sponsor. I have to do my readings. I have to write because fundamentally I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I want things to go my way. I want to feel good all the time. I want to be comfortable all the time. It's really, it's almost like a pathological immaturity on my part. You know, it's like I've got to continuously be monitoring myself and aware, not hypervigilant, but aware that I am a human, but I can go too far with this. And if I am, I've got to check it. What step do I need to work around this? Usually step one, powerless over everything other than my own eating, my own attitudes, That's it. And then I have to build a relationship with a power greater than myself who could restore me to sanity if I'm willing. I'm not willing if I'm self-centered and if I'm in self-pity. No, I'm not willing. So thank you for letting me share. Have a great day. Thank you, Maureen M. Larry Kay and Charmaine, you'll be after Larry. Go ahead, Larry. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, this is Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsible Reader. Our actor is self-centered, egocentric. You know, um, we see the world from the inside out rather than from, the, uh, from an outside perspective in. And this is, this is what egocentrism refers to. It's, it's like this, I got a, a thinking bias, a cognitive bias, a, a kind of restriction on my perception you know, caused by the fact that I can only see the world from my own perspective. And see, the problem for me was, even though I could occasionally certainly empathize with others, and I, and I thought, surely I'm, I'm a decent human being some of the time. The problem was my narcissistic tendencies made me overly concerned with this imaginary audience, this imaginary audience. And, you know, the the, the, the imaginary audience was the tendency for me to, to, to sort of envision how everyone's watching my every move. 
You know, you guys care and you're judging my every move, my every thought. So part of my, part of the selfishness for me was that I struggled, of course, to hide my imperfections from you. I don't want you to see my imperfections. I mean, you talk about a stranglehold of fear. You know, there's probably one or two people on the line that are, that are living that stranglehold of fear. And, uh, you know, and to make matters worse, since this was an impossible endeavor, getting life through life that way, I needed numbing agents like food to get through life. And, and, and it wasn't just food I needed. Believe me, that was my primary deal, but it wasn't just food that I needed to numb out because of that stranglehold, the fear of trying to be perfect. You know, what if through this process that we call recovery, we call the steps, what if that would bring me into an alignment with the higher power of my own understanding? What if? I don't know if it's going to work for you. We'll see, right? But what if I did that? It brings me into an alignment with my higher power so I would no longer need this, uh, this, you know, this mask that I have to wear, you know, wear through life. Well, I can tell you that's indeed what happened for me. I no longer need the mask anymore. The question you hear on this line sometimes is how free do you want to be? And this, these steps will get you that freedom. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Charmaine, I didn't catch the first initial. And Carrie P. will be after Charmaine. Yes, hi, it's Charmaine P. Hi, Charmaine. Hi. And uh, thank you so much for the reading. I don't have much to say, but uh, I just am grateful for right now I'm in acceptance of serenity and sincerity, uh, gratefully um, for this program, the 12 Steps, and just where the meetings are, and to be able to get the, the sound uh, moral, the, the sound character I need that is morals today, and not uh, just not by the the, the uh, whim, just coming up from my emotions, <clears throat> and um, not just just being not predictable. Just, uh, you never know what to expect. So today, I am just grateful today to um, for the moral characters that I'm building, the serenity, the sincerity, and um, hopefully in time the ingrowth of uh, sanity and uh, just alleviating from the chaos, chaos caused by me. And, um, again, I heard someone mention manipulation. And, yes, uh, manipulating myself, manipulating others, and um, it just caused more confusion, confusion for myself. And I'm like, wow, who hired me? God didn't hire me, and um, I'm taking over a place that I'm way too much for me, too much responsibility above my level. And um, I'm just um, uh, slowly now calming down and just uh, recognizing that I am human and I'll let my creator be. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Charmaine P. Carrie P., before you get started, Perhaps those of you who just shared, someone maybe forgot to mute their line. So double check, star one to mute. There was some disturbance uh, on the line while Charmaine was sharing. Carrie P. Good morning, my 
spiritual friends. This is Carrie P., a recovered compulsive overeater from sunny Massachusetts. And who would imagine that we would jockey for position to talk about our egocentric and our self-centeredness? And I believe I'm here because it doesn't own me like it used to. I was in the grocery store a week or so ago, and I was buying seven items, and the lines were long, and they opened up two more registers, and people with hundreds of items got ahead of me. And I stood there, and I was pissed. Like, don't they know who I am? I only got seven items. So I walked out, and I sat in the parking lot looking up on Amazon Prime, could I order these items? They were astronomically priced, so I had to eat crow and go back in, and by the time I got back in, the lines were gone. And I had to laugh at myself at the, don't you know who I am? And it was revealed to me in my fourth how I'm hooked on my victimization. You know, I have this justified victimization. And, and I got to say, I was rather taken aback at how the the wave of feeling that went over me over something so silly as a grocery line. So egocentric, self-centered, yeah, I'm kind of hooked on, on um, you know, victimization. And, you know, when I align myself with my higher power and, and I'm of service to others, I find I'm able to climb out of that much easier, and I really like my life there. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie P. What do you say we move on with Martha Z, who will continue our reading with the first full paragraph on 62 that begins selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think. Martha Z, are you available? Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. I am Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows, and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, when I first read this, I'm re- I was reading selfishness, self-centeredness. That's the root of my problem. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought food was my problem, and I, I, you know, and I too thought I was not a selfish person. I always put everybody first, and thought about everybody else. So that by nine o'clock at night, I was sitting in the front of the TV eating for three hours because I hadn't, you know, taken care of any of my needs. I hadn't thought about anything else. Um, so, however, and, and people have been talking about this, but I, I just wanted to reinforce, people have been talking about personalizing these paragraphs, and, and, you know, I was told to start 
with the ABCs and to go all the way through to page 63, which is where the third step prayer is. And when I did that, but I want to say reading it out loud, um, I, I certainly didn't like what I saw, but I had to say, yes, this is me completely. I, didn't, I absolutely didn't want to think that. Then it says, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. And I was thinking about, I uh, was thinking about how fear was the chief activator of all our defects. That's what I was remembering. That one passage from the AA 12 and 12 in Step 7. But when I looked it up, it says self-centered fear. It doesn't just say fear. And um, when I think about all my defects, there's always fear under them. Mostly fear that that um, I'm not good enough or that I'm I'm going to look bad. And um, the, I love the part where it says sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, which is for no reason at all, it seems like. But we find that at some time in the past we've made decisions based on self that later placed us in a position to be hurt. So I like I like when uh, Joe and Charlie, they always talk about where did I set the ball rolling. And um, I'll just give a quick example, but my mom, I was, I always felt like such a victim, and and you know, she just, she felt like okay, so she treats me like a child, and um, she doesn't really know me. And when I started to look at the stuff that I was doing, like okay, she treats me like a child. Well, wow, I'm acting like a child because I can't stand up for myself and I can't say anything when she says something that upsets me. I can't say anything. And then, thankfully, that is in the past because of recovery. I'm so grateful for that. But the other thing was she doesn't really know me, and it was because I was too afraid to be really real with her because I thought that she would think that my interests were trite or that kind of thing. And and when I started to look at it, I was like, whoa, you know, here I am. I'm complaining about her doing these things, but... I am actually acting in exactly the way she's treating me. So um, anyway, it's very, very eye-opening. The other thing I wanted to say is I, in, my, in my margin I have, a, I have a note that says, we separate ourselves from others when we are running the show. And I thought, wow, how powerful that is. I mean, I today, I, you know, I really want to be on equal footing with my fellows and to be part of. I don't want to be better than and I don't want to be less than. I just want to be I just want to be part of the herd. So anyway, um so grateful to be with all of you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Okay, wait a minute. I can't heard I don't think we're gonna have much time, so let me just see who spoke so far. Lynn S. Did you say your name? Yes, I did. And then Lynn. I think I Kimberly. I didn't. Could, okay, after Lynn asked, who was that? Sally. Sally A. Penny K. I think. Okay, okay Sally I, I can pass. A. I'll, I'll pass. It's okay. I'll go another time. Okay, I think between Lynn S. and Sally A. was was it Penny? Yes, it is. Penny, what's your last initial? K. Okay. 
Okay. And so Sally has reneged. Thank you. And who who was after Sally? If we have time. Lynn S. Gladys. Could you repeat that? Was it Gladys? Yes. Is it time? Enough time? We'll see. Gladys. What's your first initial? My last F. Yes, right. Okay. All right. Let's see how it goes. Lynn S., go right ahead. Good morning. This is Lynn S., recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I love this paragraph. I absolutely love it. And uh, we have a joke here, but we always say driven by a hundred forms of Lynn. And it's so true. It's so true. My whole life was fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. I didn't see it, of course, but every decision I made, every thought I had stemmed from all four of these character defects. And I love it when it says we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. How could I possibly be stepping on their toes when I was helping them and fixing things for them and my whole life was geared towards doing things for them, I thought. But what it really was was doing things for me so that I fit in with them or that they would like me or I'm so afraid to say what I really feel so I have to do something else or the main one for me was I have to protect myself from them. Everybody was an adversary. Every situation was potential danger, warning, take care. You know, even just thinking about it now, I was so fearful, so angry, so busy protecting myself all the time and then getting hurt all over the place and I couldn't couldn't understand it. And then it says, in the past, that sometime in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. And I know they're saying but that at some time, but I always read it, sometimes we did that. Every single decision I made was based on that. And just, it amazes me, especially when you do your, your four and five and you start seeing this stuff over and over and over again you realize that how these old thoughts and beliefs were running my life. And still now, to an extent, they come up, but they aren't running my life simply because working the program, working the steps, we find that God removes these things from us when we expose them. And I'm I'm just, I'm just amazed at how the program works. I love it when I see something like this. You know, I used to think I was a nice person and look what everybody was doing to me. And uh, thank you, God, that belief is gone. And I can truly see what's happening now in the world and what, what I'm doing. And I have an opportunity to change. I'm so grateful. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn S. Penny Kay. Hi, thank you for letting me share. My name is Penny Kay. Um, I live in Connecticut. This is actually my first time at this meeting, and it's wonderful, and I'm so glad you're here. This paragraph is just exactly where I am. Um, It's not a new awareness. I've had this awareness many times before, 
of all the different decisions that I have made throughout my life whenever they've been based on any kind of self-seeking, any kind of fear, um, the self-delusion, the self-pity, I invariably make a choice to put myself out that will eventually either hurt me or I will feel hurt. And as a, a, and compared to feeling miserable about all of this, and oh, poor me, and poor me, and look what I've done to myself, and look, look how miserable I am and how horrible this is, it is so freeing to, to really understand that I'm not a victim, that I've had a choice all along, and for whatever reason, I have made a choice based on the negativity as opposed to the positive of what does God want me to do. Every choice that I've based as best as I can on God's will for me has worked out to so many blessings. And every choice that I've made out of fear, out of resentment, out of all of the character defects has really led me down that dark hole. So my job today is to pray and meditate and what does God want for me to do today so that I can stay out of the hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity so I don't put myself in the position of either being hurt or feeling hurt. Thank you so much for letting me share. I'm so grateful for all of you here, and I pass. Thank you, Penny Kay. Welcome. Gladys S., we do have time, and thank you, Sally. I just want to say renege was not the proper term. I'm going to say withdrew. So thank you very much, Sally. And Gladys S., go right ahead. Hi, this is Gladys. Um, I just wanted to uh, share a little bit on that because I remember, uh, can you hear me? Hello? Gladys, Gladys, did you ask if I could hear you? Yes. Yes, I could hear you. Oh, I couldn't okay. understand yeah. you, but I could hear you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I remember it reminded me of when I first came to OA 16 years ago and um, worked the steps with the sponsor, and then I uh, started taking my wheel back uh, and not uh, applying principles to my life. And it was uh, just really only through a last relationship that how I saw a lot of these uh, character defects come back, and it was like a out of body experience, you know, just seeing myself behave out of uh, my total <clears throat> selfishness uh, behavior, and wanting to control the situations and want things my way, and just being able to see myself in that manner and be so powerless over the uh, the behavior, just like I'm uh, powerless over the food. But that's what brought me back to the program and really wanted recovery because, you know, it's, it's not that I'm a bad person. It helped me to realize how how sick of a person I am, that I have a disease, uh, uh, and, that, and that is part of the way that my disease affects me. Thank you. Thank you, Gladys S. Well... We've come to the end of the first hour. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. I will now ask Charlie G. to read, to please read, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.